So guys, my name is Tucson Cena. Uh, welcome to the first episode of B Major. B Major is a project of mine that I've been trying to do for a little while, and I'm very excited to get this one off the ground. Um, today's first guest is a good friend that I met. Justin, how long have we met? Uh, how long have we known each other? Almost two years? Yeah, like two years. Not that two long. Two years, yeah. And we've played in... Of what three groups together? So we played with uh, Tito, Countless. and we um, in your group, my Genuine band, Snakes, the Genuine Snakes, and we're in uh, my band, Low Maintenance. Big shout out to them! You guys are gonna be hearing some more from them and uh, some other musical guests. Uh, so just real quick before we get into the interview, um, B Major is gonna be focusing on people that are in the musical field, whether if you're a instrumentalist a vocalist, a producer, a DJ, a sound engineer, a songwriter. We want to make I want to make sure that I capture your stories and, you know, put it out there and just have something for not just regular people to listen to but other musicians to know that you're not alone in what you're going through and you might find some inspiration in what you hear and you might see some of what you hear as a cautionary tale also. So, without further ado, let's get into this interview. So, Justin, do something. Sir, where are you from and what made you move to New York City? I was born in Washington State around the time Mount St. Helens erupted. And then spent four, my first four years in Upper Michigan in the woods. And then, uh, then I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So Prince territory. Exactly. What was that like growing up in Minneapolis in Minnesota? It was cold. <laughs> I bet. It's just cold. It's so cold. <laughs> So if you had to compare the weather from here to... Nothing's colder than Minnesota, except for Siberia. (laughs) So what got you into music? And also, how many instruments do you play? I play guitar and piano, and I play bass badly. But uh, three, I guess. I guess that's three. I used to to play a mean uke, but no, those days are long back. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you get into... So what would you say is your, your main instrument? I don't know. I, I think sometimes I think it's a guitar, and then sometimes I think it's piano. It's a guitar. I've always had a guitar because because it's uh, it's bumming around a lot. And it's it's a companion, and that was the first instrument I started on, except for trumpet, which was high school band. And it was in high school band one day when the, uh, the seat next to me, to my left, the trumpet player next to me, just handed me a cassette tape. It was one of those old plastic with the white cassette tapes with the the first time I ever heard the name Robert Johnson. Oh, and who's Robert Johnson? Robert Johnson. Oh, sure. Robert Johnson. He's 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 like Orpheus. He's like the American. He's the original. Uh, he uh, um, he's the one who sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. <laughs> and then the devil came and collected it uh, just before, like weeks before, he was supposed to play Carnegie Hall. Oh shit. His friends say that uh, a jealous husband poisoned his whiskey. That's what friends say after you die. <laughs> after you die choking on your own vomit, then your friends all say, oh yeah, it was a jealous, it was a jealous, uh, jealous husband. Oh, that is, that's a little scary. <laughs> um, so the guitar and piano, what do you like about those two instruments? What, what is it about those two instruments that make you feel whole? They're... Um, yeah, the kind of the central. It's like the. Um, it's like a language, the piano, 
I think having a keyboard around just is a, it's a, it has a, a weight to it. And then, and then a guitar is like something you can just uh, bum around with. Because you, you, the guitar is a troubadour. Guitar is, a, is the bar. It's a storyteller. You go from town to town with the guitar, and you tell, you tell everyone what's happening in the town next door. And the piano is in one spot. It's kind of like um, in the early blues singers. There was the guitar singers like Robert Johnson and Skip James, and you know the Delta sound, and it was all about um, working outdoors. And then you had uh, Ma Rainey and Bessie Smith, and it was all about. Uh, um, all about uh, domestic situations, and that's where the piano is. And from that, so I guess they're both blues instruments. Is one of the reasons why I'm attracted to them. And they're both percussion instruments. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> so you mentioned the blues. Um, would you say that is your favorite? style of music? I just or? think blues music is like a language of this country. It's one thing that this, of, of all the hideous crimes that have happened here in the new world, that's, uh, the blues is one thing that came out of it. That is positive and had to come out of it. And I think affected the whole world. It's like a, like a volcanic blast. It's mm. like the whole world is in a cloud now. But it's, uh, it's also like the forbidden fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. And also the whole, the idea of where it came from, no one's quite sure. You know, is it something that just sprouted out of the Mississippi? Or is it really what, what you know, uh, what is popular, believed by critics, that it's a uh, Frankenstein monster made of all these different sounds and cultures and histories and peoples that came together here? No, it could be both. It's probably both. Okay. But because of that, it's, it's like a process. So the blues can still be happening, especially now that we are uh, connected to every part of the world. Now it's all just sort of like caving in to one spot. And uh, you can pull influences from uh, other, other parts of the world, you know, the cultures and languages and music, <clears throat> and just put it into your own, just like the blues, just like how it started. And then, what, and then uh, it becomes, becomes a new language. Isn't, and at this time, that's what has to happen. There's nobody telling us that we can't do anything when it comes to, to art. They're telling us we can't make a living at it, but we can still do whatever we want. So, so we should. And we should embrace that, that being the idea of experimentation and open-mindedness. Damn. Oh, wow. Um, this is, you know, it's only the limits of your own style, I guess. Wow. <laughs> That was deep. My uh, <laughs> my next question to you is, what were um, your academic experiences with music? So, how did you gain your knowledge, your more of your knowledge in, in music? Were you did you go to school for music uh, after high school? Did you um, you know take more classes, or was it something that you just picked up? I'm completely self taught. Nobody wanted to show me. <laughs> so I take full credit for everything I do. Uh, but yeah, I just started. I just, it was a drudgerous process. Starting to play music, but I was determined to do it, apparently. Drove my family insane. So what, um, what would you say were some of your 
your your go tos in your learning? Like, who? How did you pick up what you picked up? Well, I was. Um, it started with uh, Duke Ellington. It started with uh, Caravan. First time I heard Ella Fitzgerald sing Caravan, and that's exactly what I've been talking about. I didn't know music could sound like that. I didn't know there was a style of song that existed that was that was Caravan. And it's still one of my favorite songs, and there's still no other song like it, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Uh, and that's a drummer's song, too. Yeah, I um, <laughs> the first time I listened to Caravan, I was actually in my grandfather's car. My grandfather was, uh, when it comes to my musical influences, my grandfather was heavy, especially when it comes to jazz. Um, there was this radio station called 88.3 in New Jersey. And wherever we were at, we if we were able to get it, WBGO. Yeah, WBGO. Yeah, yeah they're they're amazing. <laughs> they're they're really amazing. And wherever we would go, he would give me some time to listen to like hip hop and R and B. But then he would also make sure that I listened to it. And I remember when Caravan came on, and it was it was an amazing experience. We were actually on our way to Stu Leonard's um, in Connecticut before they opened up the one further upstate. I think it's in Yonkers or White Plains or something like that. And um, the first time I played it when I was in college, I was like, oh, shit, this is this is fun. You know, and as a musician, being able to play that song and just being able to, which is going to go into one of my next questions, um, being able to be in that same, in a symbiotic space with everybody and just, whew, it's, it's just fun. It, I just remember it being fun. And that, that particular song does carry a lot of memories and emotions for me. Do you know which version was the one. first one you heard? Um... I think it might have been the old, the 1920s, like the original version. Oh, cool. Um, I think WBGO was, at that time, it was doing a, a lot of big band jazz. So he was playing Count Basie. They was playing yeah, uh, Dad Jones. Um, just, oh, man. That's, wow. You just brought back a whole memory. Thank you for that. You're <laughs> <laughs> So what, what else did you, did you learn on yourself, self-discovery with music? Well, I learned certain sounds that I was attracted to, like major seventh chords, just and uh, and that's uh, that's very Ellingtonian sound. Um, it's up there up in the in the, in the you know, beautiful you know the soul music of the seventies and sixties, uh, but especially in the seventies, like um, what's going on? It's just nothing but just these lush harmonies, and even like Burt Backrack, you know. Things like that, uh, and it kind of I don't know, went out of music around a certain time, at the eighties, I guess, and after punk rock, you stopped hearing the sophisticated uh, harmonies, the Ellingtonian sound, and I just, so I just think that it was a great void. Which I always try to play, and of course, then you end up playing jazz, and it brings you to because that's like getting into. Wayne Shorter's compositions and things like that recently has Lord. been, um, and now I, I listen uh, every day. I listen to uh, Roundabout Midnight, the Miles Davis album that has the band is John Coltrane and Thelonious Monk on the uh, it's the so. That's that's a hell of an album. Just yeah. what you mentioned in those two cats right there. And Miles always he always lets he lets Coltrane just go wild. You can like though he sets it up. <laughs> and then so go ahead, okay, go ahead. And then they, they just open up, they just kick open the gate, and the Coltrane comes out, and he tears apart the cosmos, and then and then it goes back to Miles, and he says, "I'm sorry, 
but that's not the way it is. So he just <laughs> plays one note. <laughs> yeah, Miles was smooth with his one notes and just he was always meticulous and and calculated with his playing. That, that was one thing I always I always appreciated him, and um, I I learned about Miles in, more so in college than I did in high school. The first time that I was ever put on with Miles Davis was kind of blue. In high school, my um, yeah. my high school band director by the name of Mr. Green, he had given me the CD <clears throat> and just listening to the cast on those albums. And this was before Herbie Hancock got on the scene. Um, this was before yeah, before the VSOP guys. Yeah, like oh my gosh, I think well who was on that album? Cannibal Adderley Adderley was Cannibal on that Adderley album. On that album, Coltrane was Coltrane. on that album. I think um, yeah, Bill Evans and I think it was Philly Joe. No. No, it's Jimmy Cobb. Jimmy Cobb was on that album. Yeah. And I actually went to his um, the 92nd birthday celebration that he did last year mm-hmm. at Jazz Standards. Oh, man. I saw him a couple years ago by accident at uh, uh, David Zerner Gallery. It's my friend of mine. is a facilities manager there. And he calls me up and he says, hey, there's a jazz show going on in my gallery. And I said, is there going to be wine? And he said, no. <laughs> I said, well, maybe I'll swing by. And he said, is this guy, Jimmy Cobb? I don't know. It sounds like smooth jazz. He's like, no, I'm coming. Jimmy Cobb, he's still alive. <laughs> he's a god. So you can't, there's nothing like these guys. So Jimmy Heath, who recently passed away. These guys, no yeah. one plays like that. No one ever will again. That's like the, yeah, it's like the real thing. It's real tragic. And but you're not going to hear that sound. Like playing. when B.B. King died. And, uh, yeah, it hasn't yeah. been that sound like his since. And just, that means Lucille. Yeah, there's never going to be another Lucille. Because the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not funny. But rest in peace, BB King. Um, wow. So what would you say currently are your highs and lows with being a musician? Well, playing with you is way up on top. Hey! <laughs> and getting my girlfriend to like my music. That's always nice. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, it, it's a thing like this as I was saying there's no rules right now for being an, an artist for being a musician uh, especially there there are certain rules that if you want to play or get into a certain um, circuit you have to play a certain way but as far as being an artist you can do whatever you want except for one thing it's one rule you don't stop no never shake it once you once you dig it no matter how terrible you are, just gotta, just gotta keep, keep, keep going. going. You got, there's only one place to go, and that's up. Yeah, that's true. You're only oh, gonna get better. Wow, I'm trying to think what what would be my highs and lows as a musician. Um, <clears throat> I think the highs, especially in college, we got a, we got a chance to travel. So uh, I got a chance to go to St. Thomas, and I got to play there. Uh, we went to Jamaica. And I got a chance to reconnect with my family out in Jamaica because of music. I went to school for music. I went to uh, the University of Maryland East of Eastern Shore with uh, one of our bandmates with Reggie. And um, that's originally where I met him. You guys will be hearing from Reggie soon. Uh, we actually started an interview, but the file got jacked up. So we're going to actually re-record his interview and we'll post it up. So you guys will be getting some new stuff soon. But to go back to the story... Um, I think college had a high, a bunch of highs and lows that kind of made me, that kind of taught me what to look out for as an adult. So especially when it came time to, for people to um, keep their word about paying you or, or things like of that nature, you know, um, I think 
in college, we was a little mild about it because we was just starting out. Um, me and Reggie and uh, some friends of ours, uh, Virgil, Lloyd, Julia, this cat named Carl, who's an excellent drummer also, um, and my friend Josh, we, we formed a group called the Refresh Band. And we just toured, not toured, but we played all over campus and all over Maryland and places like that. And it was, it was fun. And sometimes we didn't get paid. <laughs> and, you know, but it was a good musical experience. Like uh, Reggie and I talked about it. It, it wasn't music's fault, but it was kind of co-mingled in together because you're, you, you never have the negative emotions towards music, but you have the negative emotions towards the person. But it just sucks that you have um, such a, a crappy event going on with you're talking about drama yeah, yeah. it's it sucks but those, those are the one of the things that, that goes along with it seems or sometimes yeah. not being able to agree with um what's certain things that's going on in a group you know artistic differences yeah, yeah that's gonna happen there's nothing that's, you that's can a do low for me you, gotta, you, just, you have to respect it just you know no. do I remember I've been in some groups where cats was like, it's either my way or the highway. And I was just like, whoa, it's, it's a little crazy. No, if you like the way, if you want to go their way. But it's it's been cool. Like, I, I can never say that those those instances didn't make me stronger and and know what I would like in terms of playing with people. Um, but that's how you, you can only get, get better. If you, if the only way you can get better is by playing with other musicians. You can't just... Be in a soundproof room. You know, all have to get to get out in the street, and even like play out in you know, the street for for pennies occasionally. Play for pennies. I heard a story once about how Thelonious Monk, when he lost his cabaret card. So oh, he, Thelonious Monk is a famous uh, jazz pianist. For um, if any of you guys aren't uh, into jazz and not sure who Thelonious Monk is, but continue. He had to play because he couldn't stop. He had to play these, uh, all ages shows. So on like campuses, college campuses and things. And he would play in, in, in spots where the, the, um, the piano only had the low end and the high end and nothing in the middle, <laughs> but he would still make it work. And then afterwards he'd bring all the kids out for ice cream. I'm just playing for the love of it. Bring a broken piano to a bunch of kids and then buying with the money you make you go and you buy everyone their ice cream. It's a hell of a dude. Um, so we started talking about well, we've been mentioning influences in our musical life, but who were some of your influences growing up and how have they changed as you've gotten older? Musical influence? Mm-hmm. Uh Duke Ellington, Leonard Cohen, Charles Mingus, Mississippi John Hurt. Um, everything. I listen to everything. Elvis Presley. <laughs> uh, that's one cat I haven't fully gotten into. Well, he's, uh, these days, you, you, it's tough for Elvis out there. It's tough out there for Elvis. <laughs> Nobody's looking for a guitar man. But it's uh, listening to as much as possible. And, it, and uh, I don't listen much past 1959. It's the tragic thing. <laughs> I've been trying. I've been trying to uh, to be more rounded, but I just I just listen to Billy Eckstein till the, till the end of days. Who's Who's Billy Eckstein? <laughs> oh, Mr. B. Now there's a Renaissance man. He was uh, he played trombone. He was the crooner. He was a band leader, um, and he's the guy who gave a lot of the bebop musicians their jo uh, jobs. 
and let them play whatever they want. And uh, but he was a, he was a killer arranger, and he paid everybody. He was most one of the most beautiful men, and he designed his own clothes. <laughs> okay, so um, he would have made a killing out here now during these times, since everybody's trying to do. But he never thing. he never got big for some reason. He had everything, he had everything going for him. And then, and that King Cole comes along, just pulls it right from under him. <laughs> well, Cole had to make sure he was unforgettable. So yeah, people forget though. He was a killer piano player. Nat King Cole? Yeah, he was, that's what he was. He was a jazz musician. He played, he, he played with all the greats. There's a, backing him up. I need to find he played with Lester song. Young. Lester Young. Lester Young, there's the man. That's, that's, the, that's where it all centers around. Yeah, press. Uh, tennis saxophone player. And he's uh, just the whole idea, the whole um, aesthetic of being a musician is Lester Young. So it's, it's, it's the sound, especially mainly the sound. The sound hearing Lester Young is like he's just walking into your house. It's so unique, and it's individual. Um, but he, uh, it was all his whole style. Only his closest friends really, uh, really understood what he was saying all the time. <laughs> he, he, inv- and he invented cool. I think he is. I think he's the guy. There was no, no there was no cool before. Brothers came around. Okay, okay. He's like <clears throat> brought us like like Prometheus. He brought us the fire, the cool fire. <laughs> oh wow! Who's so coming? there he is. <laughs> so um, sorry about this, guys. I'm actually recording at my parents' house. Um, you want normally, to the phone? It's, no. Want normally to it's the phone? quite. Eh, it's all right. It's <laughs> hopefully gonna stop really soon. I'm definitely gonna have to take the phone off the hook. Um, <clears throat> but outside of that, I would say that. I'm um, oh, sorry, not outside of the fact that I would say, but I would I would ask you. You mentioned Charles Mingus. Mm-hmm. What What is it about Mingus that you like? Because I, I I know you as a person, and I can see why that you like Charles Mingus. Mingus came around at just the right time too, because it's his music is is so intense. And it's a good. It's a good bridge because he has this, uh, he, you know, he has this dramatic quality. It's, it's orchestral. It's something, um, something that's in your face. So, uh, and things he is doing, people are still trying to catch up with. But it, he, uh, he was just doing what, what Duke was doing, and Duke was uh, doing whatever Billy Strayhorn was doing. And that's what it's that that sound. Except Mingus was uh, over the top. You ever like read his that uh, beneath the underdog? No, it's insane. It's insane. That's <laughs> out of his mind. I've heard some stories about Mingus. Yeah, there's a lot of stories too. Speaking of caravan, it was during caravan that he tried to uh, chop Juan Tizzle in half with a fire axe. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one. <laughs> that man was he was intense. He was he truly, a, truly and intense. He has the sound too. Big sound. That bass. No one else sounds like that. No. Everyone, everyone was told, you can't play like that. Like, he can do whatever he wants. I can do whatever I want. Charles Mingus. And he was a great composer, too. But he was like a, a like this. He put everything, everything in it. He's a maximalist as opposed to a minimalist. He's a man who knew not the meaning of the word moderation. 
That sounds about right. Do you have any favorite tunes of Mingus? I think I have two myself that I, I really dig. Um, I really love Slop, which is the opening song on Mingus Dynasty. I listen to a lot of Mingus Dynasty. I love the entirety of Black Satan Sarah Lady. Uh, I love Hurricanes, The Eye of Hurricane Sue. It's, it's one of my favorites. Did you the one um, Fire Dance also? That one? Is that Mingus? I think so. Fire Dance. Crimean oh, Fire Dance. You gotta look it up. Oh. We well, did that. Uh, he's very, very prolific. And then his um, his songs would also like they would reference themselves. I still haven't listened to Epitaph. That last it's five thousand requ- uh, bar requiem. Whoa. Sounds like he's going to say it was only recorded time. posthumously. Try to get to see Mingus Big Band every chance they They oh. can't pay those musicians enough to play that music. <laughs> you can see they're in pain. I do love the Mingus Big Band. They have they came out with this album in '94. And it has these two songs that I love, and I discovered them in college. It's Wednesday night prayer prayer meeting or yeah. session, and um, moaning, moaning. Oh man, moaning is like the Barry solo in the beginning. Yeah, that's the baritone side. <laughs> Whew. that thing goes, man. So, how has um, how has music affected your personal relationships? Uh well it's like well it, not just your personal like relationships a, but just in in overall like you know with musicians you know parents family personal life girlfriend um, boss like how how has music affected you in that in that standpoint? Well, I think the relationships themselves affect the music, mm. so it's uh, it's a give and take. <laughs> I I don't uh, I don't worry about it too much. I, it's like it's uh, it's just uh, had discussions about it. It's you know it comes with me. It just comes. It's, it's on my back. It's like I show up. I'm gonna have a guitar. I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna sit in. I'm gonna sit in this room and I'm gonna play this guitar. Um, but it's nice to have. Uh, have a little bit of a separation. It's like when you, people in the subway, and you go out and you play for them, there's some, mm. some of those, and you know you're driving them crazy. Most people are. You gotta be really cute. You gotta be really cute to, <laughs> to, to capture somebody's attention. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same thing, the same thing with you know, friends and family. You can't, you can't choose your family, and they can't choose, uh, can't choose what you play. I can't make requests. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. Sorry, Aunt Katie, I don't know any Graham Parsons songs. How, um, because I know for me, at times, um, it's been strenuous when it comes to some of my relationships. Sometimes, uh, like some of my friends that I grew up with, I don't always get the chance to see them as much. I mean, we're all super busy mm-hmm. um some of my friends are getting ready to get married um some of them are doing some musical projects of their own some of them are just working and providing for their family so it's like we're all super busy but i know um 
you know, especially in the summer, that's when gigs normally like pick up and, mm. you know, everybody's trying to get <clears throat> as much gigs as they can. And that's the mad, the mad dash, I call it in the summer. Um, you know, that's when you tend to get busier and you tend to kind of forget certain things. Like even but for me, like in the winter time, you would shed. Yeah. Like every, every gig you have is, uh, working towards something and then summer it's all, it's all outpour. Yeah. It's all just expression. It's everything you, you cooked up over the winter. Oh, so um, for those of you guys who are not sure what the woodshed is, um, the woodshed is a term for individual practice or just practice in general. Um, it's a it's a term that jazz musicians would use. Oh, I got to go to the shed, um, meaning you know I got to go and practice. So you got to go um, to the Williamsburg Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> so the, ooh, there was a musician that used to play his horn on a bridge. Sonny Rollins. Practice. Okay. And it was a jazz musician that would do that. So Sonny Rollins is another famous jazz musician um, who's still with us, thank God. Yeah. Sonny Rollins has been playing since forever. So, um, he was there during the times of Train, Miles Davis, and he's outlived both of them. <laughs> and God willing, he'll stay stay with us for a little while longer. And he's still playing. I don't know if he's still playing. I, I read somewhere that he's he's retired his horn. Oh, really? I don't know if that's Last true. I checked, um, Maybe he's just taking a sabbatical. Hopefully he's taking a sabbatical. Yeah, I was still like the '96 and still killing. You know, as long as you still have some type of music in, you gotta let it out. Um, so I I think we're gonna end off with this last question: Is if music was a person, and I think this is this will be addressed to both of us. You know, I, this is something I'm gonna ask all of the guests: If music was a person, what would you say to it, or him or her, or you know? If you're able to sit down and have a couple drinks or, you know, you guys are just hanging out and catching up. Music was a person. Well, if the music was a person, I'd, I'd just ask them how they were feeling. That's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know, um, I think for me, I would, um, I would thank music a lot um, for the experiences that I'm able to, the experiences, the relationships, the the good times and the bad times, because definitely the good times have shown me what it's like to be in a truly happy place. And the bad times have shown me, you know, what to look out for in terms of that. Um, You know, and just meeting, you know, people like yourself, Reggie, Phil, you know, um, my, my best friends from college. You know, all of us in the in the music department are still very close and talk all the time. So those are relationships that was fostered through music and us playing together and which goes into like just having that collective mindset and being able to create something and put it out there and, and allow and put out that, that energy and love and people are able to receive that love and just really get something from it. So for that I would tell music thank you for in a sense, giving me something to focus on and giving me a, a path. And I'm not going to say it saved my life, but it's definitely given me, it's made my life for the better. Yeah, I'd say that too. That's I, dope. I put that in there somewhere. <laughs> that is dope. I had some time to think about that last one. Like, I, I kind of sat down and was just like, damn, like, Music what? was a person. How would I, how would I thank you for everything that's given Well, I always heard that Miles Davis, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Miles Davis said uh, before uh, 
well, when he was still alive. He, he lived on 77th Street on the west side mm-hmm. in Manhattan, and he would just hang out in the stoop. And anyone could just walk up. That's how he was doing. So that's probably the same thing. Just that kind of feeling. And just being able to express it, because I think for me, I'm not, I'm not good at expressing myself. Like I can tell people, you know, hey, I love you, you know, or sometimes it's, it's easy for me to express anger. But there's absolutely that, that it's music has been definitely something, an outlet for me, because it's, uh, you know, you can't grew up with this, this uh, generation that kind of just really wanted us to keep our feelings under wraps. Don't let anyone see your cards. Don't, don't. Uh, so yeah, that had to have something to funnel all of that out. Out. Well, music is music is thing. I still feel that way. When I, it's not hard for me to to write because, uh, nor to play because I just think. I just think of, uh, think of, uh, think a thing. Think a thing that I don't want. Don't want anyone else to know a secret. <laughs> and I put, I bring it out and I put, I throw it out there. And I tell it, I tell it like it, like it truly is deep, in deepest Manhattan. That sounds like a, <laughs> a title of a good tune. See, there you go. Oh man! I just gave away my secret. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I really appreciate you sitting down with me and, and taking the time to discuss your story and and have and let you know our our listeners in also. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. I it's appreciate really your thoughts. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, guys, my name is Tucson Cena. This is Justin Paris. Um, this is B Major. Definitely be on the lookout for the next episode. We're going to have some some good guests for you. So just to let you guys know, we're going to have uh, Reginald Williams, who's part of Low Maintenance. We're going to have Miss Hannah Omwako, who's from uh, 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 Amaze. The, the, dang, I know I just jacked up the band name. I'm sorry, Hannah. Um <laughs> We're going to have Philip Leslie, who goes by Philophobic, who has his own stuff and who's part of Low Maintenance. We're going to have um, Kamisha Jones, who's the alto player for Low Maintenance as well. Um, we're also going to do some traveling. We're going to go to Maryland and we're going to speak to some of my friends from college. We're also going to speak to one of my band directors who's been in the Baltimore city music scene since forever. And he, we're going to get some history from him. And I'm going to try to reach out to some other people I know, you know, go to these different jam sessions and talk to people and, and see what we can get from here, you know. And hopefully, you know, those of you guys are supporting Word to the Blurred, which is another podcast that I do with my brother. Um, big shout out to my brother, Cal. Um, and big shout out to my sister, Niara, who's doing, who has her own production company called Sunflower Productions. And she's, she's another one that I'm proud of. So I'm saying this on wax, on the air. I'm proud of y'all both. I love you. And um, you know, once again, thank you for rocking out. So my name is Tucson. Justin Paris. <laughs> and this is B Major. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. Peace. <laughs>